I will be reading James chapter 2, verses 18 through 20. But, some, <clears throat> but someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works, and I will show you, show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one. You do well, even the demons believe and shudder. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? It's good to see each of you this evening. We're glad that you're here, braving the weather. It's uh, been kind of a dreary day, but it's always good for the people of God to come together to sing songs of praise to God, to worship Him, and we're really thankful that you've come to be with us. We've got a number of visitors with us tonight. We're really glad that you're with us. We want you to know a little bit about us. We are a people who want to believe and do exactly what the Bible teaches. That's, that's all we're about. We want to open up the pages of the New Testament, and we want to read the words that are found there, and we just want to do exactly what the New Testament teaches. And so if you're interested in that, we'd love the opportunity to talk to you, to study with you. We'd love the opportunity to share with you why we believe what we believe. And if there's something that we're doing that we don't find in the Bible that we can't search the pages of Scripture and, and come to the conclusion we should be doing this, if that's true about us, we want to change because we want to serve God and we believe the only way to do that is by opening His Word and by obeying what it says. We have one family of visitors with us this evening, the Herrera family, and they've asked us to pray on their behalf. And so we're going to do that at this time. Would you bow with me as we pray for them? Our righteous and divine Heavenly Father, we come into your presence tonight. We're thankful for this opportunity to worship. We're thankful, Father, that you have blessed us with this building, a place where we can assemble and where we can be comfortable and warm in, a, in, a, in the midst of a cold evening. Father, we're thankful that you blessed us with your word. We're thankful that it instructs us in our lives. And Father, we ask that you help us in our study tonight to glean from it truths that will help our lives. Father, we pray for the Herrera family that's come our way. We're thankful for them. We ask, Father, that you be with them and the, and the things that they're going through. And, Father, we pray that you'll help us to be an encouragement to those around us. Help us, Father, all to realize that every one of us goes through struggles in life and that we are here to help each other and to lift each other up. Father, thank you so much for Jesus and the hope that we have through him. Thank you so much, Father, for the blessing of being able to be called your children. All these things we pray in his most holy name. Amen. Just a few minutes ago, Brother Kyle read from James chapter 2. And when you listen to James chapter 2, verse 19, James is writing to Christians and he says, You believe that God is one, you do well. But then he makes another statement. He says, Even the demons believe and tremble. I'd like for us to spend some time tonight talking about that. And the title of the sermon is Demonic Theology. I'll confess, I really struggle with sermon titles. That's not my thing. At least I don't think that's my thing. I have a hard time coming up with titles for sermons. The sermon themselves, those are hard enough, but a title that's catchy, that's memorable, that, that maybe somebody says, I'd like to know more about that subject. But when we talk about demonic theology, let me just explain the words for you. The second word first, theology. Theology is a word that just means the study of God. The Greek word for God is theos, and any kind of ology is a study of. And so, theos, God, ology, the study of. 
Just like geology, the study of the earth, or biology, the study of life, theology is the study of God. And so what we're talking about tonight is what do demons, demons who are beings that, that exist, we'll talk about them in just a moment, what do demons believe about God? Or if they were going to teach us about God, what would they say? Because here in James 2.19, the Bible says, even the demons believe. They've got some convictions about God. They know some things about Him, so much so that they tremble because of who He is. And so theology is the study of God. Now let's talk about demons for a moment. The New Testament and the Old Testament as well confirms that there is a spiritual realm. And in that spiritual realm, God who is invisible, He's spirit, God exists in that realm. John chapter 4, verse 24, God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit in truth. 1 Timothy 6, verse 16, the Bible calls God the King, eternal, immortal, invisible. And so there is a God, He is invisible, He can't be seen with our eyes, but He's very, very real. And not only that, but there are angels and there are demonic powers that exist in that realm as well. And so as we think about demons, who are they? They are spiritual beings, and they are always working evil. Everything they do is to try to cause trouble and to try to cause evil uh, among uh, the world. And somebody might ask, well, where did the demons come from? The Bible really doesn't give us a great deal of information on that subject, but what it does do is give us a couple of hints. I'll just show you very briefly. Turn over in your Bibles, if you would, to Jude, uh, verse 6. Jude is a one-chapter book. Jude verse 6. And Jude just kind of alludes to this. In Jude 6 the Bible says, And the angels who did not keep their proper domain but left their own abode, God has reserved in everlasting chains under darkness for the judgment of the great day. And a lot of people believe that this is, Jude verse 6, this is the origin of the demons. Where, are, where the demons come from? They were angels created by God who did not keep their proper domain and turned against God and sinned against Him, and now they want to work wickedness constantly. And so when we talk about demons, the New Testament brings them up over and over and over again. In the ministry of Jesus, in the life of Jesus, in the early church, in the book of Acts, you find the apostles and others dealing with demonic powers. And so, when James writes James chapter 2, he just kind of, of course, mentions that the demons believe and they tremble. I'd like to submit to you this evening that that is a really frightening verse to contemplate. The fact that there are demons that know who God is and they believe the right things about God and yet they're not right with God, they're, they're not saved. And that's James's point. James is saying there are a lot of people who have a lot of right beliefs and a lot of right ideas about who God is and about what He is and about what the Bible teaches, and yet they're like the demons. That is, they're not right with God. They're not saved. Let's ask some questions this evening as we think about James chapter 2, verse 19. Even the demons believe and tremble. Let's ask three questions that might help us in our study of demonic theology, that is, what the demons know and believe about who God is. Question number one this evening is this, what is it specifically that the demons know? 
If you got your Bible and you're looking at James chapter 2, once again, look at verse 19. And James mentions, you believe that there is one God. And he says to his brethren, you do well, even the demons believe and tremble. So the first thing that the demons believe, according to James, is that there is a God. And that God is one in nature. The Bible does not teach polytheism. It doesn't teach many gods. It doesn't teach the idea that you can just pick and choose which God you want to serve. The Bible teaches that God is one. As a matter of fact, that was kind of the heart and core of the Old Testament and what the Israelites quoted all the time in Deuteronomy 6 verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. Israel was a monotheistic people because there is just one God. And the demons acknowledge that. They say, yes, what the Bible teaches about God is absolutely right. There is just one God. Not many, just one. In Psalm 14 verse 1 the Bible goes on to say, The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. You think about this. The demons have a better theology than many people living in this world. And they're happy about that, but they know that there is a God and that there's just one God. The demons know that. There are a lot of people that deny that there's one God, and there are a lot more people who deny that there's a God at all. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. What do the demons believe? What do they know? They know that God is one. And that's fascinating to contemplate. But there's more. Let's go on a study in our New Testaments for just a minute and look at some other passages. Open your Bibles to Mark chapter 3, and I want you to look at about verse 11. Mark chapter 3 and verse 11. What else do the demons know? I would also say this. As much as demons are involved in sp spreading error and false teaching, the doctrines of demons the Bible speaks about in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 through 3, as much as they are involved in spreading lies, the Satan is the father of lies, John chapter 8, verses 44 and 45, they still tell the truth about who God is and what He's all about. So as you're looking at Mark chapter 3, I want you to look at verse 11 and 12. Mark chapter 3, verses 11 and 12. Speaking about Jesus now, it says in Mark 3.11, And the unclean spirits, whenever they saw Jesus, they fell down before Him and they cried out saying, You are the Son of God. And Jesus sternly warned them, the demons, that they should not make Him known. Why? Because they're telling the truth and Jesus doesn't want to be publicized by demons. He doesn't want them to be evangelists for Him. <coughs> And so Jesus, even though the demons are saying things that are true, Jesus doesn't want those demons to be confessing Him and praising Him and those kinds of things. He sternly warned them that they should not tell others about Him. You know, sometimes in movies it's fascinating that when you see people try to portray demons, they're always saying blasphemous things, ungodly things. That never happens in the Bible. Never happens. Every time the demons come into contact with Jesus Christ, they always tell the truth about Him. You are the Son of God. You know, not even every person believes that. Not even every individual believes accurately that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. It's fascinating to think about. Turn, by the way, as we're thinking about this, turn to Luke chapter 4 and look at verse 34. Luke chapter 4, verse 34. 
What else do they know about Jesus? In Luke chapter 4 and verse 34, in Luke 4, 34, one with a spirit of an unclean demon says with a loud voice in Luke 4, 34, let us alone. What have we to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Did you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. What do the demons know? They know the name of Jesus. He's the Son of God in Mark chapter 3, verses 11 and 12. He is Jesus of Nazareth. They even know the town that He comes from in Luke 4, verse 34. And not only do they know the town that He comes from, they know that He's the Holy One of God. He is the Messiah. He's the one that's come to ransom man from his sin. They're right about everything they're saying concerning God and concerning Jesus Christ. Not even all the people that live in this world are accurate about those things, but the demons are. Third, what do demons know? They recognize the truth when they see it. They know what's right, and they know what's true, and they're able to call it when they see it. Turn to Acts chapter 16 and look at verse 17. Paul and Silas are in the city of Philippi, and they're preaching, and they're teaching, and they're converting people. And the Bible says that there's a little girl in Philippi, and she has a spirit of divination in her. And in Luke chapter 16, verse 17, this little girl follows Paul and Silas, and, he, and, he, and uh, she's constantly crying out, Luke 16, 17, and pointing to Paul, and she says, These men are the servants of the Most High God who proclaim to us the way of salvation. She's telling the truth. That's exactly what Paul and Silas are doing. They're telling the way of salvation. Demons recognize the truth. Many people don't. Turn over to Acts chapter 19 and notice this. In Acts chapter 19, verse 15, not only do they recognize truth, but they know what's false. This is one of those kind of humorous episodes in the book of Acts. If it weren't so tragic, what's happening? The Bible says, if you look at verse, uh, verse 13 of Acts 19, Acts 19, 13, some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists took it upon themselves to call the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, we exorcise you by the Jesus whom Paul preaches. And there were seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish chief priest who did so. And in Acts 19, verse 15, the Bible says that the evil spirit, the demon, answered and said, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who are you? Then the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them, overpowered them, and prevailed against them, so that they fled out of the house naked and wounded. Demons know where power is found. It's found in Jesus Christ. It's found in His gospel. They know that that's true. They know that He's the one with the authority to command them. And they also recognize when people are operating outside of His authority, when people are doing things that God has not commanded, when they have maybe a, a form of godliness but deny its power. 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 5. The demons recognize what's true, and they also recognize what's false. They don't have trouble with fake news. They don't have trouble with fact-checking. They know what's true. They know what's false, because they know what God has said in His Word. What do demons know? In Mark chapter 5 and verse 7, turn in your Bibles there if you would. 
The Bible says that Jesus comes across this lake and he finds a man in whom there is a legion of demons. And in Mark chapter 5 and verse 7, this man who sees Jesus so far off, it says in verse 6, he comes and he worships Jesus. Even though he's full of demons, he bows down before Jesus and he cries out with a loud voice and says, What have I to do with you, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I implore you by God that you do not torment me. Have you come to torment us before the time, another demon says back in Mark chapter 1. You want to know something? There are a lot of people in this world that believe in heaven. They believe that you just live your life and you die, you're a good person, and you go to heaven. That's all there is to it. There are a lot fewer statistically who believe in hell, who believe that there's a place of eternal fire, a place of unending pain and torment. There are a lot fewer people who believe in the reality of hell. But I'll tell you this, the demons do. They know that that's their destiny. They know that that's their fate. They believe in it, and that's what they were asking Jesus. Have you come to torment us? Don't do it right now, Jesus. It's not time. They know. What else do demons know? They submit to Christ's Word. By the way, I got the, got the numbers backward on this particular part of the slide. It's Matthew 17, or, or excuse, yeah, Matthew 17, verse 18. So turn your Bibles there if you would. Matthew 17, verse 18. And listen to what happens in this passage. Matthew 17, verse 18. The Scripture says, Matthew 17, 18, Jesus rebuked the demon, it came out of him, and the child was cured from that very hour. When Jesus spoke, when Jesus gave His command, the demons always obeyed. They didn't argue, they didn't fuss, they didn't curse, they didn't blaspheme, they just obeyed. Jesus and His Word are powerful. And every time He spoke to demons, they always submitted to His Word. You know, when you look at that list, it's amazing how the demons know a great deal about who God is, about who Jesus is, about what God is capable of, about what's true and about what's false. They know a great deal about the eternal fate of all people and all spiritual beings. And they also know a great deal about the power of God's Word. It's fascinating to think that the demons have a better theology than the vast majority of people living in this world. One preacher said it this way, if a demon came down the aisle and responded to the invitation, we could stand him up in front of the congregation and we could ask this question. Mr. Demon, do you believe in God? Absolutely I do. Mr. Demon, do you believe the Bible is true? Absolutely I do. Mr. Demon, do you believe that there is a final judgment for all people and that all people at one point are going to be sentenced either to heaven or to hell? Absolutely I believe that. Do you believe that Jesus Christ is the only way that people can be saved? Yes, the demon would say. I believe that too. Do you believe that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead and that He's going to judge all the earth? Yes, the demon would say. I believe that's true. Do you believe that there's power in the Word of Jesus Christ? Yes. You know, you think about it, a demon has all the right answers to all the questions. And yet you go back to James chapter 2, verse 19. They have a faith, they have a belief, they know what's right, and yet they're as lost as they can be. And that's exactly what James is warning about. Brothers and sisters and friends, we can have all the right answers. 
We can have all the right ideas and right doctrines, and that still doesn't mean that we're right with God. The demons certainly aren't. Secondly, this evening, why do demons shudder? You go back to James 2.19 and look at what that passage says. The demons also believe and they shudder. There's a Greek word here from which we get our English word frizzy. You ever wake up on a humid Houston morning and your hair is frizzy, standing up on end? And when somebody is scared, when somebody is really, really frightened, you, you, uh, you, you're watching a scary movie or you're, you're in a situation where you're not sure if there's something around the corner and things go bump in the night and your heart's palpitating and, and your adrenaline's flowing and things like that, and it's like the hair stands up on ends, that's what that word has to do with. They are terrified. They shudder because of their faith because they know that there is God, a God and they know what's going to happen. So why do demons shudder? Think about this. Number one, they shudder at the very thought of God. You can read the Bible from start to finish and you will come away with this knowledge. God is infinitely greater and more powerful than every other being. God is the only being who has always existed. He has existed from eternity past, and He will exist into eternity future. God is the prime cause of everything else. Without God, nothing else was made that was made. John chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. Colossians chapter 1, verse 16. Jesus is the one who created everything else. He created us. He created this world. He created this universe. And He created the demons and the angels. He created all spiritual beings. And so, because God is so far more powerful than the demons, when they think about Him and they think about His awesome power and they think about what He means, the fact that He is true and righteous and holy and pure and that they are sinful and wicked, when they think about those things, it causes them to be terrified, to shudder. And maybe one of the things that James wants us to contemplate is that if we ever got still enough and quiet enough to think about that same thing, Maybe we ought to tremble in the presence of God as well. Why do the demons shudder? Secondly, because of the coming judgment. Look at Matthew 25, verse 41. Jesus is giving a parable of preparation. Be ready when the Son of Man comes. Be ready when I come back into this world and when I take all those who are living in this world, the living and the dead, when I take them to the judgment. And in Matthew chapter 25 and verse 41, notice what the sentence is going to be. Those on the left hand that are divided, He will say to them, Depart from Me, you cursed, into the everlasting fire prepared, watch this, for the devil and his angels. Why do demons shudder? Because they know their destiny. They know where they're going. They know they're lost. They know they're not going to find any salvation. They understand that a time is coming when they're going to be thrown into eternal fire. They know that's true. We don't like to think about that, human beings. We don't like to contemplate what the Bible teaches about the eternal destiny of the wicked. The demons know it's true. And it's so true that they shudder. But I'll tell you this, you know, sometimes people shudder and they're afraid because of their imaginations, because we imagine things that are not true. We imagine things that aren't real. 
The demons aren't shuddering because their beliefs are wrong. As a matter of fact, quite the opposite. They're shuddering because they know that what they believe is true. Third, this evening, as you think about the faith of demons, demonic theology, what must we learn? You go back to James 2.19. And James's point is that faith without works is dead. James chapter 2, verse 26. In other words, you and I can have all the right answers. We can have all the right ideas. And yet, if we're not living the things that we know to be true, it doesn't save us. It won't help us. Faith without works is dead. What must we learn? Number one, we need to learn the danger of inaccurate faith. I've made the point this evening that the demons have a better theology. They have a better idea about God and about the Bible and about truth and about salvation than the majority of people living in this world. That's the way the devil wants it. He knows what's right. Somebody said, don't ever play Bible trivia with a demon because he'll beat you. They know the Bible backwards and forwards. They know what the Bible says. We need as Christians, as human beings living in this world, we ought to have an accurate faith. There are things that God has made plain and things that he's made clear that he wants us to embrace and to believe and then to do something about. Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Matthew 4, verse 4. It's dangerous to have a faith that is not built upon the Word of God. It's dangerous. The demons have a better faith than that. But secondly, and this is really James's point, the danger of an inactive faith. Those of us who have been Christians for a while, listen up. Maybe you've been a Christian for a lot of years. Maybe you grew up in the church and you remember singing Bible class songs and you remember, you remember VBSs when you were a kid. And maybe, you, maybe you remember and experienced what it was like to grow up and to hear gospel sermons all the time. And one day you decided that you needed to obey the gospel and you started living for Jesus. And maybe you've been doing that for quite a while, maybe even decades. It's very easy for us to get into a rut. It's very easy for us to get into a routine where we go through the motions and we're not thinking about what we're doing or why we're doing it. It's very easy for us to play the part of a Christian and to do religious looking things. And like Jesus says, this man is honoring me with his lips, but his heart is far from me. It's very possible for us to have a faith like that. And maybe people look at you and they don't see any difference. They don't see that your heart's not in what you're doing. They don't see that you don't mean what you're singing and what you're saying and what you're, what you're meaning when you pray. They don't see all that because that's going on, on the inside. That's what James is warning us about. He's saying you can't have a faith like that because that's the kind of faith the demons have. You got all the right answers. You're doing all the right things. You're praying all the right prayers. You're singing all the right songs in the right ways. All those things are right, and yet you're as lost as you can be. Why? Because these things are not motivated by love for God and by a heart that's devoted to Him. 
What James is warning his brethren about is the kind of religion that just gets into a routine and we never really stop and think about the words. And we never stop and think about our worship. And we never stop and think about in our daily life the fact that our lives are given as slaves, as servants of Jesus Christ, that that's who we are. That's a demonic type of faith. I believe all the right things, but it really doesn't make that big of a difference. We need to have a living faith, an active faith. Don't ever play Bible trivia with a demon. They know more. But don't have the faith of a demon either. The demons know what's true. They know what's right. And they refuse to obey. Wouldn't help them if they did. On the other hand, you have an opportunity to obey. You can turn your life over to Jesus Christ. You can believe and you can repent of your sin and you can be immersed in water, baptized for the remission of sin. And that's the process that God has given people to come into contact with the saving blood of Jesus Christ. And we can live loving Jesus, serving him day by day. We can live with a faith that saves. As we think about the demons, it's fascinating what they can teach us, isn't it? We need to have a living faith that honors God. Can we help you this evening? Can we pray for you, pray with you? Or can we help you to obey the gospel as we've just described? If you have one of those needs and you'd like to come forward and make that need known, won't you come while together we stand and while we sing?